Have you finished making notes yet, Squidge? Yeah, I'm, 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 on, I'm nearly done. I'm getting mm. kind of <laughs> antsy to record this episode, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, oh, I'm really worried why you're giggling. I should never have given you my little tablet with that pencil now. Because now you're drawing... You're, oh, God. What have you drawn? Have you drawn a gigantic... <laughs> you have, haven't you? <laughs> no. to another episode of the Waffling Tailors podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Kaprogman, also known as Jay. My foot just clicked, so I'm going to do that bit again. I am one of your hosts, <laughs> Kaprogman, also known as Jay. And with me, as always, is, he's, well, I mean, he needs no introduction because he's okay. been here. I think, well, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> see you later, folks. With us this week, as always, um, except for the five, we calculated earlier, didn't we? There was like five, five, five episodes you weren't in, mm. but you're the, still the longest standing minus me member of the team. So that's pretty cool. With us, as always, it's Squidgy. Hashtag hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. How you doing, Squidgy? Not bad. I've, I've finished drawing rude things on your pad. I thought you had. So um, wh- I've, I've emailed you it as well. There's a nifty little pad you got. Good man. You've, you've emailed my boss, right? You are your boss, are you? That's what I mean. You've emailed my boss, right? Yeah. Good man. I'm going to buy a Switch at some point this year. I've been saying it for a while, uh, but there are some really cool... Get- like, I looked at the release schedule for the next year, and I'm like, I want that, and I want Switch that. Switch Bros! That's it, right? And, um, and you know, the amount of times that the B has been on here, and essentially all he ever talks about is the Switch. And you've got one, and Jay-Z's got one, and... A whole Blue bunch of one, and a green one... And a red one, sorry. Yeah, all of those things, right? So, essentially, I want to get one, but because I trust Squidge's judgment and because he's known me for so long, <laughs> that giggle tells me it's misplaced trust, but there you go. <laughs> because I've known him for so long, right, I trust Squidge's judgment, and I've asked him to come up with a list of games that he thinks that I would want to play. So, essentially, we're going to rattle off that list, and we're going to go through them one by one. Squidge has got his Switch in front of him as well, and what we can do, if we decide to, is we, I might ask Squidge to look them up on the Switch, on the store, so that then we can read the, uh, the the description of the game, and then I can look at the screenshots and all that kind of stuff, and decide whether I think I would actually like to play it. With that said, um, as always, check through the show notes, because I'm going to link to some of the games, and we're also going to link to all of the other episodes we've done on the Switch. We may as well just call this a Switchcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we start though I want to give three shout outs because these are folks who have already suggested uh, games to us we did send out a tweet slightly before recording this so this will date the recording um, asking for the community to come up with suggestions for Switch titles for us to talk about um, we've got three suggestions so far well no we've got two suggestions but from three people so I want to give a shout out to the B um, he's been on the podcast before we talked about the Switch want to give a shout out to unaffiliated Jay-Z because well, because he's awesome. and Dude. Oh, yes. And I want to give a shout out to Nintendo Dispatch. This is because they are the biggest of the Nintendo fan podcasts and they've kind of helped out as well. So just want to do that. Um, so, yeah, uh, take it away, Squidge. So what's so this is this is the, con- the conceit here, right? If I was to go out and buy a Switch right now, 
and then either buy a game whilst I'm out there, which seems like a bit of a rip-off because the game stores around here are really expensive in Cakeland, mm. or to go into the Switch store and buy a game, mm. what would be your recommendation? So let's start with the first of your recommendations, I guess. Uh, it depends. Are you looking to just pick up and play, or are you looking for like a, a lengthy, drawn-in experience? So, right, here's the difference, right? So I am going to be playing at home when I get time. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those who don't know, we collaboratively work on this podcast, but I also work on a different one called the .NET Core Podcast. Um, so editing two podcasts uh, a week, every fortnight, is actually quite a lot of effort. Um, and what I'm hoping to do is to, during my downtime, you know, is just to either pick up and play a game or sit and make an experience with a game, but I'm also going to be using it for my commutes. So where I currently work, I have a one and a half hour commute there and a one and a half hour commute back on a train. So I don't have to worry about, you know, driving. Uh, but sitting with headphones on, listening to podcasts gets, I feel like I need some sort of visual stimulus. Mm. So I could do that with a game where I don't need to listen to it. So the commutes would be pick up and play games, whereas the at home ones would be uh, the sort of big experience ones. Mm. So the reason I want to do it that way is because I still want to listen to loads of podcasts because mm. I'm a podcast fanatic. So I want to be listening to podcasts on my commute, playing a game that I can pick up and put down, or a couple of different ones that I can pick up and put down. Um, and when I'm at home, maybe a much bigger experience, like the Final Fantasy VIII remake or something like that, another remake, a re-release, stuff like that. So that's a really roundabout way of ask, answering your question, but I hope it answered it. Did it answer it? Which one do you want me to mention first? Pick up and play or grander experience? You decide, but that's let me know. Open. Let me know. We'll work through your list top to bottom and tell me whether which which kind of game it is, yeah? Okay. So pick up and play game. You know it, you love it, Doom. That is true. Uh, which one? The original Doom or the... Not the 2016 one, the original. So the original, original. The okay. um, When that first came out, because it was Bethesda and because it's a 25-year-old game, they put, you have to log in because yes. reasons. Um... They've recently taken that off, so you can just jump in and do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good to just pick up and play, especially good for if you're annoyed at someone or something. Yes, just to shoot demons. Okay. Um, okay. So with that and one, for for like four quid, you can't go wrong, really. That is pretty cheap. Yeah. So with that one, we're not going to look up the bump and the details for it because I know it, you know it. Pretty much everyone who's going to listen to this mm. podcast has probably played Doom or probably heard of Doom. Mm. So yeah. So we're talking the original Doom as re-released for the Switch. Um, I do know that there's Doom, Doom 2, Doom 3, Doom, 3, Doom 2016, Doom Eternals coming to the Switch, mm-hmm. and we've also got Doom 64 as well. So there's a lot that I could actually. The only pick game, up and the play. only Doom game I haven't played. Yeah, Doom 64. Mm-hmm. Okay. The meant one on the N64, the really dark one. Yeah, it's meant to be the superior title for out of, out of the console ports. Uh, yeah, out of the console ports, it's meant to be the best of them. Um, and I can I can attest to that. Although I haven't played it, I can attest to it because I read a book that if we have any developers listening in, I would recommend they listen that they, they listen to that they read called uh, the Game Engine Deep Dive Black. I'll get a direct link to it, but I think it's Game Engine Black Books Doom. Mm. Definitely give that a read because you'll have such a greater appreciation for the amazing genius that is um, John Carmack. So, just a moment. Quick bonus fact about Doom. I know you already know this, mm-hmm. but Doom, back in the day, when it went through ports to play online, the port that's assigned to Doom when you play online is port 666. 
Yes. Yes, I, re- <laughs> I remember telling Scrooge that. So that's in that book. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the... I'm not going to go into the reasons for it, but yeah, the, the, the TCP port used by Doom is 666, which I think is <laughs> pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we've talked about Doom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. That's quick fire and forget and lots of fun playing it. So we'll move on from that. Are you, are you planning on playing multiplayer? Uh, with you? anyone. Yeah. So you are. So you, yeah, you're you going to get Nintendo online. Yeah. We'll get, I'll get Nintendo online right. and you Which means you'll get access to the second thing that's on my list, which uh, is the NES and SNES classics. Yes. Sorry, the NES and the Super NES classics. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which include games like Technoball, um, Pro Wrestling, Mario's 1, 2, and 3. You've got Super Metroid, all the classic NES titles on there. And on the SNES ones, which they've just released a couple of days ago, you've got... Okay, a second. Well, why don't you have a look now? Yeah. I mean, so we've Quick got the check. Switch with us, yeah. so you can have a look. Whilst he's looking, uh, the SNES games... That was announced at Nintendo... It wasn't Nintendo Dispatch. What's it called? Nintendo... Direct. Direct. It's called Nintendo Direct, and they announced that this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is uh, an amazing thing to do. So uh, definitely check those out at the very least. While Squidge is looking those up, uh, yeah, Nintendo Direct announced those and a SNES-style controller for the Switch this week. So they're pretty cool, but they are, they're free to Nintendo Online subscribers, aren't they? Do you have to pay for it if you're not a Nintendo Online subscriber? What the controller? No, no, the sorry, the the games. No, you um, you just download the the, the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's classed as like an app or a oh, game, yeah, and like, then you go into it. As long as you're you've paid for the online access, yeah, you get that, it. That's what I mean. So you can only get it if you're a Nintendo Online. Okay, right. Yeah. So cool. the the list of the games that you get in the SNES. Well, some of them. Don't, yeah, don't list them all out. Like you get like Breath of Fire. You got Kirby's Dreamland Three, Star Fox, because of course. Stunt Racer. That's the one we were yeah. thinking of that we could Pilot Wings, FX Zero, you've got... Um, Super Ghouls and Ghosts? Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah. Yoshi's Island, Super Mario World, um, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Super Metroid. And that's just a few of them. They release so many a month afterwards. Okay, yeah. So there's more to come, essentially. Oh, yeah. There's, there's quite a okay, few. Okay, cool. All right, yeah. So you'd recommend the NES and SNES Classics because I'm mm. going to get Nintendo Online because yeah. we're going to be playing games online anyway. Mm. Um, and they've added um, online support for a lot of the two-player games on the NES and SNES. Yeah, yeah. So I like Super that, Mario yeah. Brothers 3, we could play remote. So I could be at home and you could be in Kirkland and then I can go, hey, Squidge, do you want to play Super Mario Brothers 3? Or, hey, Squidge, do you want to have a race on Super Mario Kart or something? Mm. And we'll do Super Mario Kart and do a race online. Yeah, yeah and then hell abuse at each other. That's yeah, it. As you do. Except we can't hear each other because there's no communications with Switch. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, true. cool. So what's next on the list then? Revelations 2. Uh, for those who want to do the Super Sleuthing and figure out exactly when this episode was recorded, go back through the Twitter feed and you'll find out when it was recorded. Yeah. Um, essentially, I was playing Revs 2 last night on my PC and I looked at it and realised I'd clocked up 40 hours of gameplay on it, which is hardly anything compared to like how much you've had playing on mm. it. But I absolutely... Truly love that game. The raid mode on that game is amazing. It's loads of fun. It is literally pick up and play. You pick it up, play a level, put it back down again. Mm. That's what I love about it. The only downside to it for me on the PC version is it takes so long to get through all of those uh, screens and I've got to fire up Steam, got to sign into Steam, 
fire, fire up the game, run through all of the screens, get to the game. So if it's on the Switch, I realize there's a little bit of a slightly longer loading time when you're playing Revs 2, because I think we've done it before uh, locally on your mm. Switch. I totally get that. I can deal with that. And I'll be remote with it as well. So that's totally something that I could maybe play on the commute as long as I've like holding the console up close to my face so that nobody sees the absolute violence that's happening on screen. Mm -hmm. But that's totally fine with me. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with Revs 2. And it'll mean I get to play through the story mode and actually watch the intro and outro mm. and all of the level cutscenes. It's, it's got a few differences from all the other console versions. So everything in it is all in one package. So there's no microtransactions. Okay, yeah. The in-game currency you can buy the uh, revive crystals mm -hmm. with the in-game currency, whereas on the consoles and PC there's a thing where you can buy them yeah. real game, real life money. Um, there's also the the Barry Benton minigame, the Ghouls and Ghosts Barry Benton minigame, which I don't think you've played. I have not played this. We may have to let me play it later on today. <laughs> so what you, is this? Is it Super Ghouls and Ghosts? It's Super Ghouls and Ghosts, but you play as Barry Benton, okay. and it's one level. And if yeah. you complete that one level, you start again. The level gets harder and all the bonuses are worth more. Okay. And you, un whatever score you get, it equates to BP to spend in the, the real game, in the actual game, not, not, um, story mode raid mode. Yeah, yeah. The story mode to unlock all the skills. I got all the skills and I played the story mode and breezed through it. Okay. So Squidge top tip for Resident Evil Revelations 2 on the Switch. Play through the Barry Burton minigame. Get all of the skills for all of your characters in the main game. Hmm. Uh, play the main game. The, the most valuable pickup is a little plush of Moira, his daughter. Okay. It's cool. pretty cool. Okay. So that's Revs 2 then. Um, and we've talked about it enough on the on the site and on the podcast as well. Mm. Uh, just a reminder though, Squidge, what are the revelations in Revelations 2? Because like, I'm playing through story um, without having to skip all the cutscenes. All I really in know Revelations is that, 2. Yeah, all I really know is that we're on an island. There's a lady who is you... doing something with a little girl, which sounds really horrible me having said it. Doing something with a little girl, and then you then play through part of the story with that Claire and Moira get get um, kidnapped from their headquarters from yeah, well, a, yeah, a, a company that, they work with. The, yeah, the revelations um, presumably are the the revelations the that they work with no, is no, no. Okay. it's who's kidnapped you. Is that literally it? Okay, so what is that revelation? Because like I like I say, I'm not... so before we do that. We'll spoiler. spoiler, yeah, put the spoiler music in here, so if you don't want to hear it, go away and play the entirety of Revelations 2, and then come back. Now that you've gone and played the entirety of Revelations 2 and come back, uh, Squidge, what is the revelation? Who is the person that kidnaps you in Revelations 2? I say that knowing that everyone who's listening clearly has finished the game, right? So they don't need to know. Albert Wesker's sister. Of course it's a Wesker. They may as well retitle the Resident Evil games to Albert Wesker did some stuff again. <laughs> He's like the dick dastardly of the Capcom universe. The difference is she wears the same bracelet you do. She believes she can become a god. Right. The reason being is that if you give in to the fear, mm -hmm. the, the, the virus inside you takes over and turns you into a monster. Yes. She believes she can blow her own face off without showing fear. And not turn to a monster and become a god. Right. Fair and enough. with it being a Resident Evil game, obviously it backfires. Oh, of course it does, yeah, yeah. And That's... then, depending on what ending you get, because yeah. there's a good and a bad ending, you find out things about Natalia, mm -hmm. the little girl that Barry Burton's trying to protect. You find things out about her that are... Well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. 
So what I'll point out is you obviously said because it's a Resident Evil game, it backfires on you. I will point out that essentially the Resident Evil canon every single story within it is essentially the Promethean story. The I will try to... In fact, they call it out in, in the, the chapter that I finished last night. You had to literally put the livers back into Prometheus, the bloke who stole the fires from... Fire yeah, from the gods. then it explodes in your face. Yeah, because he stole the fire from the gods, right? Mm. So what I mean by that is that um, Prometheus stole fire from the gods to learn how to make fire, so he was punished for it. Um, Frankenstein is a Promethean story. You know, Dr. Frankenstein steals the power from God to create life and thus has his life destroyed. So all of the Resident Evil games are all about trying to play God and having it so, well, the canon ones, anyway. Um, and the canon stories and the, the, the Capcom-produced movies are we want to play God and mm. it all gets sort of... Everything goes a bit Pete Tong and it all gets destroyed. Okay, mm. so... right. So I will add that's two. a very sort of very watered-down version of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, I mean, it's literally in the title. Did Frankenstein or a modern Prometheus? Mm. So the next one's a bit of um, a learn-as-you-go-along slow burner. Okay. It's Plague Inc. Plague Inc. Okay. Plague Inc. So what's so great about Plague Inc.? I have sort of heard about it in the past. Do you want me to just read the description to you? Yeah, so read read the bump from the Nintendo store and we'll see what it is. Plague Inc. Can you infect the world? Plague Inc. Evolved is a unique mix of high strategy and terrifyingly realistic simulation. Your pathogen has just infected patient zero. Mm-hmm. Now you must bring about the end of the human... Uh, end of human history by evolving a deadly global plague whilst adapting against everything humanity can do to defend itself. This includes 11 unique diseases, two extra that were put in. One of them was inspired by Rise of the Planet of the Apes, so there's a simian simulation. There's a simulation for um, starting off um, a vampire outbreak. Okay. So you've got to be strategic who you infect, how you do it. You You can evolve stuff you can have symptoms and um, like infectivity and symptoms, so you can change how it spreads and then what it starts doing to people. There are official scenarios that they added, so like mad cow disease, um, based on like real human events. So you got like mad cow disease. There's one where the entire human race doesn't trust science. Okay. So you got more of a leg up because no one trusts medical science. You've got one where um, oh, there's all sorts. You've got one where all the borders shut. And you've got to try and force a pathogen all the way across the world. Those like the official ones. You get unofficial user-made ones as well. Which essentially you get uh, a map of the globe. And you you pop a bubble in your country of choice. Mm -hmm. And you've got to go about collecting DNA points to increase the the spread of your virus. And then the lethality of it. And there's all different sort of things you can do. Like um, I ruined the Rio Olympics. You ruined the Rio Olympics. Yeah, with with um, a combination of um, symptoms I had, it ruined the Rio Olympics. Okay. And it comes up with stuff like you ruined the Rio Olympics or you got this unlock, that unlock, the other unlock. It's got like a, a list of in-game achievements if you're hunting for them kind of things. Um, it's really quite good. It's it's essential. It's, it's, you just get a, a map of the entire globe. Mm-hmm. And it shows you how things are getting infected. So red bubbles show up for who's infected. And the 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 goal, depending on which one you choose, like your simple uh, pathogen, so your gem, the goal is to infect everyone first. Mm-hmm. 
and then start killing everyone. It's it's a jolly game, it really is. Um, but you you infect everyone, then you start killing everyone. Right, I see. And as things start to go um, wahoony shaped all the way around the world, you get news updates of like um, a cure's been started. It's so much percent. Certain governments shut down all the ports, are shut down all the airports, are shut down. So like with the first thing you get, the best thing to do is to infect everyone first. Then if they do shut down all the ports, it doesn't matter. Everyone's infected. Okay. But it's one of those, unless it starts showing signs, no one will say anything, no one will do anything. Okay. The the pathogen you've got has got a chance to evolve by itself and get symptoms like a rash or irritability. And it can be on a watch list once you start doing that, if there's a lot of people on it. You can de-evolve them, so you can keep it completely hidden. And then when everyone's got it, you just start start right, so taking people down left right yeah here. rank up the symptoms smack down the band hammer and kill everyone so it's essentially um designer diseases like video games yeah okay. essentially yeah um cool. but that's something that i mean you came over to to my hq a few weeks back didn't you and you essentially you went through because you know what you're doing and you've unlocked everything and you've played it so much you essentially completed it in about three and a half minutes or something didn't you one of them yeah i put it yeah. I, I whacked up the difficulty and i did one and i called it um what did i call it you called the disease howard that's the one yeah i called the disease howard howard has infected its first human howard has er- eradicated the human race yeah. and of course anything that you put in it uses that as the name so you could do things like uh when i first got it i put things like facebook <laughs> and uh, tumblr and yeah. uh you know instagram that kind of thing yeah. and, and then i put my because reasons, you know, my ass has infected the world. My ass has spread to different countries, you know. Because <laughs> reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's uh, it's one of those where you learn as you go along. Yeah, yeah. but that is a pick up and play, right? That is a pick up and play. You can pick up and play. You'll either win or you lose. It's as simple yeah, as that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like losing on that. Okay. <laughs> I really Cause, don't. Because you want to wipe out the human race, essentially. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh, not to listeners. Don't ever upset Squidge. <laughs> no, 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 it's uh, it's okay. not a good idea. Fair enough. Um, so what else we got? Um, a recent release, even if you haven't played the first two, it's worth playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Okay. I think I made this joke last time. The other two Ultimate Alliances weren't <laughs> as good as the third Ultimate Alliance. Obviously. Well, you won't, you won't take on Thanos at that point. Fair enough. Because he wants the Infinity whatever. The, the Infinity whatever's, yeah, there's eight yeah. of them. You essentially play as a massive cast of Marvel characters, but you're trying to stop Thanos, get the Infinity Stone, so you can have your own massive war. That doesn't involve going to see the movie. That's three hours long, which really hurt my backside when I started watching that, because that took a while. But you can, through a series of levels, you're going to lock different characters, lock different skills, skins, costumes, the works. And it's a long burn, it's a slow burn, but it's a lot of fun. And you get extra challenges as long as the story mode as well. And you can you can create your own teams of characters. There's a lot of iconic characters in there. You get bonuses for certain characters in your team. There's DLC coming for it. Um, I got it because I pre-ordered it with an extra thing. I got Deadpool. I was going to say, can I play as Deadpool? I got Deadpool and I got him in a chef's costume. But you have to presumably unlock Deadpool, I guess. Or yeah, normally. There's, there's a level at the um, Xavier Mansion normally. And everything's... There's a lot of things going on. You end up fighting Juggernaut, but as you're running outside the mansion trying to find a way in, mm-hmm. you go by a kitchen window and you see Deadpool, and he's got a chef's hat and a pinny on, and he's um, the closer you get, you hear him singing, right. and he's saying there. Uh, 
the X-Men going to fight while I make my taco plan or something like that? <laughs> and it's just him continually singing when Juggernaut goes hurling through the kitchen, destroying everything. And he, he sort of, there's a, there's a slow-mo bit where he's diving to try and save one of them at least. <laughs> and he misses and he gets up and he says, right, I've had enough now. Whips his guns out, starts spinning them. And it shows like Deadpool. And it gives you a little thing. It says, Deadpool, don't ever mess with his tacos. And he just goes hurtling after Juggernaut. Get here, you! It's got some good comedic moments in it. It's um, So I remember... It's wa- an old school couch co-op game. I remember watching you play one of the early ones. And it's a top-down sort of... How do I explain it? It looked a bit like... Diablo meets Gauntlet, that sort of top-down group of four people running through a maze and looty-shooty. Mm. Is it that? Yeah, it's it's quite addictive. Um, you can set your own difficulty. So you can, you can play, like, normal mode, and then you've got hero mode, which is, like, normal, and then there's a harder mode once you unlock that. There's certain chapters. You start off as the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, you find one of the Infinity Stones, then you get transported to Earth, to a superhuman prison, and you try and get out. You bump into Spider-Man, and then it goes from there, and you just and meet he, other people. And he tells you about, with great responsibility comes great tacos or whatever. whatever that's that's, that's quite a mishmash. Well, whatever the... Great bleeding... power comes bitches. No, that's, that's a scary it. movie, isn't it? That's uh, the one, yeah. So it's... you'd recommend I at least look at... Yeah, just give it a look, see what you think. Um, at okay. the very least, just go online, see a bit of gameplay about it. Well, what we can do is you've got it, so I might just go, hey, Scritch, can you let me start a new mm. game with it or something? And you, you can have a team of four, so you can flip between the team members. The leveling up system's a lot easier, so you've got four skills, that's it. And you just power up the skills as you go along. The previous entries, you, you had a plethora of different skills with people, and it got a bit confusing, to be honest. Okay, but that's enough. definitely one to at least have a look at. So that's Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. So how many, how many have we gone through so far? I've got four left. You've got four left, okay. And then four left, and then we've got... A few from the community sort of thing. Yeah, and then an honourable mention. Cool. There's a couple that I'm really looking forward to playing, and I'll bring those up once you've mentioned them all. So what's next on the list then, Switch? Yoshi's Woolly World. Oh, I love a bit of Yoshi, right? I love uh, playing uh, Yoshi's Island. I love playing uh, Yoshi's Story, oh, which yeah. you've got over there. I can see it just behind you on the uh, the shelves. Of, Min condition, of, I might add. The shelves of Destiny. What would you call those shelves behind you? with all of Retro those? shelves. Just retro shelves, yeah. okay. And yeah, you do have a mint condition Yoshi story, which is for the N64, which is in a, in a sealed polythene case. Yeah, yeah. So you'd recommend Yoshi's Woolly World? Have you played Yoshi's Woolly World? No. You haven't, so I've... you're recommending it even though you've not played it? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's got the similar sort of like papercraft background, where it looks like stuff have been drawn and then glued down in a scrapbook, which is what the original Yoshi's World was. But the Yoshi you play as uh, look like um, hand-knitted. Yoshi's. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can play a co-op. There's a mellow mode if you find it too difficult. The little puppy that helped you in the originals back. Um, you can get to certain places and stages if there's more than one of you playing. Okay. And the amiibo for it is massive. Yeah, it's just a massive hand-sewn... Yeah, and you can get uh, it in green and Yoshi, pink. And I'm going to yeah. try and get the pink one. Well, I'll tell you what, right? You've already sold me on it anyway. <laughs> Why don't you find it on the Switch and read out the, the bump? Right, right. Yoshi's Crafted World, correction, not Woolly World. I thought it was called Woolly World. I could have sworn it. Maybe it's called Woolly World outside the UK or something stupid like that. Discover the flip side of Yoshi's World. This is the bleb. Yeah. 
Lead Yoshi on a brand new Nintendo Switch adventure that will turn everything you've come to expect from side-scrolling games upside down. Explore a diorama-like world made of stuff like boxes of paper cups, where each side-scrolling stage has the traditional front side as well as a flip side with different views and surprises. Many unusual obstacles litter the landscape, and a well-placed egg could open up new pathways. Explore every nook and cranny to track down hidden collectibles throughout the stage as Yoshi heads to his goal. You can join with a friend in the two-player cooperative action by pressing the button on the Joy-Con controller. So it's drop-in, drop-out multiplayer, mm-hmm. local multiplayer. Can I just point out, right, all of that is amazing. Can I also just point out that you wouldn't get that level of detail on the back of a Switch box. I kind of like that the Nintendo Switch cartridges are tiny. But one of the things I really don't like is that the boxes for the the games have almost no information about the game on them. Like you've got the front cover and then you flip it over to the back and you think, yes, I'm going to read about the stuff on the back of the box. I'm going to read the back of the box and say, tell me about the game. It doesn't. It has about three sentences. And the four, screenshots are tiny. Aren't yeah, they? four undersized screenshots. And about three quarters of the box on the back is taken up with all the copyright notices. And so... All the, so Nonsense. Do you remember earlier on I showed you the box? Yes. And there's tiny pictures. Well, yeah. So you're going to pass me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, pass me we'll, we'll we'll put a link to the to some of these pictures. So just use the shoulder buttons and you'll see what it looks like. I so, the smile on his face is massive. Yeah. So the reason I haven't said anything just then, you could hear me pushing the buttons, is because these screenshots are they're unlike anything I've ever seen. Do you know what it look? It looks like a Pixar movie. Hmm. These screenshots make it look like a Pixar movie. Yep. And the screenshots that we're looking at are on the Nintendo Switch store. We are going to have to get the free demo later once we've done the pod and see what we think and then maybe bring it up on the next pod, what we thought of it. Because this game looks amazing. Because, like, in my head, when you said it was a continuation of Yoshi's Island and Yoshi's Story... It's sort of like a spiritual success. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The, I, that's the kind of aesthetic I was thinking of. And then when you said it's made, of, it looks like it's made of, like, paper and all that kind of stuff, I'm thinking Paper Mario. But no, this looks like... It kind of looks like a kid's imagination for a story. It a stage, does. Isn't it? You know the Lego movie? Hmm. It looks like that, but with Nintendo properties. Hmm. I'm going to have to play this game. That, I think, is going to be the game I get with the Switch, I think. It's going mm. to have to be. Because that looks amazing. It does, doesn't it? So that's Yoshi's Woolly Whatever. <laughs> yep. Yoshi's Woolly Wahoonie. <laughs> now you know I was laughing earlier on. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> That's what you drew earlier on, wasn't it? Yoshi's Woolly Wahoonie. To think I took so many years of art. <laughs> Just to draw a Woolly Wahoonie. Anyway, yes. A Woolly one. Uh, check the show notes for a link to what a Wahoonie is, if you can't tell from the uh, from the description. <laughs> I'm not putting them in the show notes. So I've got like two or three more, and maybe four. And I've got an honourable mention yeah. and then some other okay, people. Okay, no, that's fine. That's so fine. the next one, you already mentioned it at the beginning of this, but I'll bring it up anyway. The Final Fantasy VIII re-release. Yeah, with all I've... of the... So before you go on to it, right, my little bane of contention with the Final Fantasy VII and VIII re-releases is... The seven re-release, right? So not the remake. The seven re-release is essentially the the PC game, but with all of the free to download, community provided patches and updates and and 3D models. So because Final Fantasy VIII's original assets were lost, like very shortly after the game was released, somehow they got scrubbed from Square's servers, oh. which meant that the PC release had to use the low quality. PlayStation FMVs and, and yeah. stuff. So because of that, there's a double-edged sword to that. One is it meant that they had to recreate all of the 3D models. Mm. 
But then the other side of that, they met, they had to do it, but now it looks much better. Like you've shown me some screenshots and it looks like, yeah, it looks, it looks a lot better. It looks a lot prettier. It's, um, it it's, plays, it looks like it plays a little bit nicer because of it. From, from what I've seen, it's, it's the character models like in game that they've upped. They've upped the character models in the battle as well, but all the F and V's are exactly the same. Okay. So they haven't, yeah, they haven't touched those. Yeah. No. But it doesn't matter because it's it's still the same game that we played, and to a point where I've recently learned how to play it properly, and yeah. I've I'm deciding to give it a second chance. Okay. Because I've learned to play it properly. Because Final Fantasy VIII had that unique thing where everything leveled up with you. Yeah. So uh, you started like level seven. All the enemies around you are at level seven. As soon as you level up to level eight, the enemies around you are at level eight. Yeah, yeah. Or if you level up in Garden to thirty-two and then take your seed exam, like you, like like I used to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah so and then only one person would be alive in your team while taking the exam because everything else would kill it. So one of my favorite things to do on the original release of Final Fantasy VIII was to, soon as you get control of a squall, was to grind like mad. Um, and get him up to, like, so you start at level 7, and get him up to level 31, 32, 33, uh, go take the exam with Quistis, unlock Ifrit, and then go back into Garden, and grind in the Garden Training Center until I ended up taking on the T-Rexes, and get, like, get Squall up to level 50 or whatever, and then do the first mission in the game, uh, which meant that all of the enemies have leveled up with Squall, but I'm playing... The other characters have like level seven and stuff like that. It was really stupid and really hard to do. Uh, makes your game experience really hard to play. But it kind of mirrors how I used to play Final Fantasy. So if you go back to the Waffling Tale as a non-affiliated Jay-Z podcast party, you'll hear how I used to play the original Final Fantasy. And you'll hear a little bit about how Jay-Z kind of not messed up, but made his original Final Fantasy Really difficult. Really yeah. difficult. So definitely check those out. But essentially, what I used to do on the original mm. Final Fantasy was grind, 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 and then go take on Garland, who was in that first castle, and think, yes, I've beaten the game. And then it was like prologue text. You've completed the very, like, 1% of the game. Well done. And I'd, I'd be at, like, level 99 with all of my characters. And it's like, well done. You've completed the first bit of the game. <laughs> Whereas you do that with Squall in your playthrough, and then I'd play through, only doing what I needed to do, not realising how to play it properly. I'd get to the end of the first disc at level 19, and you wouldn't believe me. You thought I cheated somehow. Despite yes. the fact I only fought what I needed to and kept going. Yes, exactly. So you'd recommend that? Yeah, it's it's got a couple of extra little... Like, when Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9, 10 and 10 too as well, when they were all re-released, like, got the HD treatment... They were given a little little extras because I think Square Square Enix, whatever they know us now, they realised that back in the day a lot of people never seemed to complete it. Mm-hmm. So they added little extras to make it more fun, or so that you could breeze through it, and get the actual story, and complete it. Yep. And in Fan Fantasy, especially, there are three pad shortcuts that help, mm-hmm. and it revolves around the sticks. So on the Switch, you've got two sticks. PS4 and Xbox One, you've got two sticks, but we'll talk about the Switch version. If you click the right stick in, your health is regened in, in a battle, and everyone's got their limit breaks. So full health. health then. Essentially, it's just like redo all your health. Yeah. Right? You click both the sticks in, you get no random encounters. Okay, so you don't want to have a random encounter, you just want to walk around an area. You, 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 you want to go into the, the fire cave, just get Ifrit, click them both in, run straight towards him. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, apart from like planned fights that you have to take on. 
You, mm. So it's like having... So in Final Fantasy VIII, there's a guardian force that you can get, which are the summons, and I think it's called Brothers, and when you get Brothers, there's half random encounters and no random encounters, and essentially, pushing both sticks in is like having no random encounters. But brothers and Diablo, you could get them skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, that's that, and the left stick, when you click that in, is um, the game speed and the battle speed's three times faster. Okay. So if you're wanting to grind them levels and you're either doing the summons or doing magic or just laying into them, you can just tap whatever button yeah, is to yeah. accept and just beat the crap out of it and speed through. So you're, It, it yeah. doesn't affect your actual game time, how fast you go. Okay, because that was going to be my next yeah. question. So you can grind like hell for like, God knows, like two or three hours and get tons of levels and it only says two hours on your gaming time, okay. which helps. But yeah, I mean, there's this... There's so much in Final Fantasy VIII, you can go through it and complete it and not do half the stuff you're supposed to. Okay. That's why I'm giving it a second chance now. That's sure. why I've got it. On the back of that, would you recommend the Final Fantasy IX re-release? Now, I'll preempt that question with, I never really played Final Fantasy IX seriously, and I'd like to give it a go. Would you recommend the Switch version of that? I know you're going to probably say yes anyway, but, like... Yes, um, purely for the... The portable version of it. I, I do a fair amount of, um, when I do do traveling, it's an hour here, an hour there on the train. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, um, it's a more friendly version of instead of sat there playing Doom or Revelations, you know, if there's people around me. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot friendly version of that. And most of the time I'm just grinding anyway, but it is a very, I want to say true port. Okay. To the original, it's it's it seems a lot shinier, but for me, it's just because it's a small screen, so it's going to look shinier. Um, it's exactly the same game. It's got the same sort of boosts on it, but a few of them are in the menu. So you've got like infinite gill. You can just go to level ninety nine one push, but it warns you before you click it. This can't be reversed. So okay, if you get infinite so gill, buy whatever you want. Essentially, yeah, yeah. shopping spree. So it's got a few of those. So Final Fantasy seven. You can remap the controls. If you're like me and you, you have the equivalent of on the switch pad B is your accept button instead of A. Yep. I remap them. Yeah. I can't help myself. But, um, I'd, I'd recommend all the Final Fantasies on Switch, including which I've got and I haven't played yet is the Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition. I haven't played that yet. It's, um, not a watered down, but, um, a condensed version of Final Fantasy 15 that was meant for mobile originally. Okay. I do believe. And then it sort of came to the Switch. I'd recommend any of the Final Fantasies because you don't have to sit in front of, especially on the Switch, you don't have to sit there and turn on a console, get all your updates sorted, make sure your pad's charged. You just slip it in the dock, grab your pad, blow away. You know, that's... How do I put it politically? That's the reason why I'm serious. One of the reasons why I'm seriously looking into the Switch for a home console is that I just... Don't have time for updates? Yeah, right. Yeah. I said I said at the beginning of this podcast, right? I, I mean, we produce them together, but I do the bulk of the heavy lifting for the moment for editing mm. this and the other podcasts that I'm involved in. And quick key metric for half an hour of audio is going to take an hour to edit, Right. So if you look at how long each of these episodes are and each of the other podcasts that I'm involved in are, multiply it by two, and that's kind of a rough guide as to how long it takes me to do each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, couple that with a full-time job and looking after little ones, 
and you haven't got much time left over for yourself to do things that you enjoy doing. You now, don't want to be spending time updating a lot. Exactly. And there was a really old, I want to say Twitter or Facebook or Reddit or something thing that came up that said, this guy had said, I'm a dad and I'm a full-time worker and I look after my children because I'm a single dad, uh, this guy said, and I get one hour to myself a week and I choose to play video games. And I powered up my PS4 and it told me I had to download five hours worth of updates. That's mm-hmm. what I want to avoid. And that's not just picking on the PS4, because the Xbox does it too. You know, Yes, they both have in-the-background downloads of, of stuff, but I also don't have infinite bandwidth. Mm. Yeah. I don't want to have to waste my time waiting for stuff to download to get in the way. And that's what I don't want, is system updates and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying the Switch doesn't have them, but from what I've seen so far, talking to you, talking to uh, the B, talking to Jay-Z, talking to other people listening to things like mm. Nintendo Dispatch, there's it doesn't seem to be as they're, they're, often. The system updates have to be done. Mm-hmm. Simple as. But updates for games, you can't exactly do them in the background. Yeah. So you can't play another game while it's updating. But if you've got it in the dock or it's at the side and it's locked and you're doing something else, it'll quite happily just update yeah. while it's still on. Um, and it's it's sort of... I know it's exactly the same, but I think it's just because it's a handheld, it seems to be more optimised. Mm-hmm. So it won't... Like, for example, I've had a few times where my, my X-Bone has been acting really sluggish, things haven't loaded... And then about 10 minutes later, it's gone, you need a system update. Yeah, exactly, right. When it could have just told me that in the first place without it slowing down. Yeah. The switch, when I turn it on, it goes, you need an update. I'll do it now. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And every single update I've had, it's been less than two minutes and it goes, right, we'll we'll restart in three seconds. Restarts and then goes, right, we're ready to go. So I think part of that, right, maybe it's more of a loyalty thing than anything else, right? (laughs) Part of that, right, if you look back on the history of video games, and yes... We talk about how the retro games, they couldn't ship updates to the games. And this is across all the systems. I remember, do you remember when I was working for big UK game retailer? Mm. And there was a Tiger Woods, I want to say Tiger Woods 2008 came out, or T- Tiger Woods 2007 came what out. What was the problem with it? Essentially, they had to um, give everyone a refund. It was on PS2. So there was a Tiger Woods PGA golf game that came out on Pretty PS2. Sure it was 2008. Well, something like that, yeah. I can't remember exactly which one it is, but I remember it because I was working at a video game retailer at the time and they had to, EA had to issue refunds to every single person who bought the game because the game had shipped with, um, the game was unbeatable. You could not beat anyone else in the game because one of the QA engineers or whatever had decided to bump up the difficulty to see how difficult it was to play and somehow that got into the shipped product. Yeah, so that went on the master disc. Exactly, that, got, there, that, yeah. that happened just before they went gold, which is the the technical term for shipping to the master disc. Mm. Right? They make a gold disc, or when they used to make games on disc, um, and they were so important, you would literally print the game onto a golden disc, and that would be the version of the game that was replicated to for sale. And the version of the game that went onto the gold disc, or whatever kind of stuff that they make it out of, I think it's just called Going Gold now, but um, that master copy was set to unbeatable mode. Hmm. Every single version of the game that was released, at least in the UK, was unbeatable, and EA had to issue direct refunds and replacements for all of those games. But you don't get that. You, you that still that still happened then. But I think the, so. The point I'm getting at is that, like, when the NES came out, the reason why the NES did so well, 
right? And the reason that the NES brought the world out of a video game crash is because it had that seal of approval. Like, whilst folks are listening, if you've never seen a NES box, Google for a NES box and especially look at the Nintendo seal of approval. The Nintendo seal of approval was there because essentially you couldn't release a game on the NES without going through Nintendo. I mean, you could, but... Because they they had the specific chipset, didn't they? Yeah, it was the first big um, example of DRM. But essentially, to get the game to boot on the NES, you had to pay Nintendo to give you a chip that would unlock the game. Because otherwise, the NES itself would not play the game. It would not boot the game. And the way you got that chip was you could only order your cartridges from Nintendo. And to order the cartridges from Nintendo, you had to send them the game code. And they would do some tests on it. They wouldn't test the game, but they would do some tests on it, do some quality assurance on it, and do some content assurance on it to make sure that it fit within their guidelines for what should be on the console. If you failed, you had to go through it again. Mm. And you had to keep going through it until Nintendo was happy with it. And because of that, only in quotes, and in another set of quotes, high-quality games came out for the NES, which was why the NES was so good. Working games, basically. Yeah. Games actually worked. And I remain convinced that Nintendo must have kept this practice up. To a certain extent, yeah. To a certain extent, that if you want to release a game on on a Nintendo console... Follow these guidelines. Make sure it doesn't die. Make sure it's semi-bomb-proof and then Which means that the Nintendo... You know, there have been slips through the cracks and stuff, but I don't think I can think of a Nintendo game that has come out for a console that has been connected to the web where they've had to release 12 gigabytes of updates. Whereas, like, you could go buy an X-Bone game or a PS4 game on launch, stick the disc into your console, have the game installed onto your console, because that's how they all boot so fast these days, because there's that much data and it's that heavily compressed that there's no way to stream the data off the disc. So you install it onto your console, and then it boots, and it goes, whoops, I need to download 12 gigabytes of updates, which is essentially a fresh build of the game. Do you, so do you, want, do you want two examples of that? So there's no point in actually having the disc. Mm. You know, you may as well have just gone. That's why I download so many. Yeah, you may as well have just gotten gotten it straight off the store. Where you buy, where you get in the pre-patched version of the game. Sorry, go ahead. Do you want two examples? Okay, so the Handsome Jack Collection, Borderlands Two and pre-sequel. I went out and bought the disc because I wanted to play it on Xbox. A few of my friends had it. That had a 19 gigabyte day one patch. That is the rebuild of the game. That's not that's not a patch. Mm. As a developer. That is not a patch. A patch is a bunch of small changes to a bunch of a short subset of the files to make something happen. That's a rebuild of the entire game, which is why it's so big. And the the the, the absolute size of that comes from the the fact that they have to ship all of the resources. So the the video, the audio, the so the the graphics files, the video files, the audio files, the textures, all of that mm. kind of stuff has to ship with it. If they didn't have to ship all of the textures and all of those resources. The game updates would be tiny in comparison. They'd still be rather large. You don't get 19 gigabytes of game code. You get maybe two or three hundred, maybe 400 megabytes of game code. The rest of that content is resources, Hmm. usually. Yeah. The other one is um, Dead Rising 3, flagship with the console, which I got with the console. It wasn't straight away, but within the first month, and this was before I ascended to... Lightstream, mm-hmm. I had a 19 gigabyte download I had to wait two and a half days for where I couldn't play the game that I wanted yeah. with the peripheral that I bought it with, yeah. which was the Kinect. So I couldn't play that until it updated. Yeah. And even then, I had the rare thing of it deleted my save file. 
Exactly, right? So I had to start from scratch, which the game, despite it being heavily serious, was still fun. I did enjoy it, but I could have done without it restarting. I'm a developer. I'm totally into this DevOps thing of move fast to break things and release code that's not quite right 100% until it gets until you get it just right. That's how we do development these days. We use what's called Agile. We make small incremental changes and ship the code. Because um, So the way that I put it, whenever I'm talking to someone is, let's say you're my, my client that I'm working with. I'm going to build some software for you. You literally don't know what you want until I give you the software that you don't want. I'm going to mm. give you some software and you're going to go, that's good, but what I actually meant was this. And we iterate on that really quickly by me adding a tiny change and a bunch of tiny features. But you can't do that with video games. because It's got to be the whole thing. Yeah, because every time you make a change, that's another 19, 20, 25 gigabytes to download, Mm. which is a huge waste. Mm. And that's what really infuriates me, is that they call them patches, but they're not. They're rebuilds. Exactly. The only operating system that I can think of that gets those right even like Windows updates, Linux updates, Mac OS updates, is a brand new build of the operating system. The only thing that I think of that gets things right is Android. Android do Delta updates. So let's say you download a app that's 35 megabytes because all of the apps are that bloody big now. But let's hmm. say you download an app that's 35 megabytes, right? And then the person who created the app goes, oh, wow, I've just released an update which patches some stuff. What actually happens is the Google Play Store takes... The previous version of the app and the new version of the app figures out what the changes are. And then when you update it, it goes, you want that little bit and that little And it literally patches in the way that patch is meant to apply. Instead of just a Instead of download the, the 35 megabyte file again, it downloads the four megabytes that have changed and applies them in place, which is how it should be done. But because the video games need to ship with all of the resources, all of the video files, of the audio files, of the yeah. textures, all of that stuff. You can't do it, which really kind mm. of upsets me. But getting back to the whole point... Tangent over. <laughs> I don't think that tends to happen with Nintendo consoles. It's it's very rare that I've actually, actually, that I've actually had to wait for a system update because they're really... If they're sizable, even on my old connection, it didn't take long to download. Oh, I don't mean system updates, I mean game updates. Oh, game updates. You do get a couple of them occasionally, but they don't take long to download. Exactly. Um, you can't start the game until they've downloaded. Yeah. Because uh, obviously that can mess up the download. But it just goes, just gives a few minutes, mm-hmm. and then it goes, right, we'll start. And then it asks you, you for go. your profile who's, who's playing it. So it tends not to be like that. So I've got two more pick-up and plays. Yep. First one is Hyrule Warriors. Yes. So Hyrule Warriors looks like loads of fun. You've been playing it a lot recently when mm-hmm. I've come around. And it is essentially the Koei Warriors games with the characters from the Legend of Zelda series. Yeah. And there's like a story mode. And I've mm-hmm. seen when you've been playing it, you've been just zipping through it. But you play like maps from the original game. So it- I've seen when you've been playing it, that it shows the overworld map for the first Legend of Zelda. And you sort of move around and play different battles in different places. Uh, you have, you're an unnamed hero who's in training. Mm-hmm. Then what happens is um, someone starts attacking the castle of Hyrule. So this unknown trainee with his fairy proxy, because I assume Navi's on holiday, fearlessly runs into battle to help out his princess. Right, so you've got Princess Zelda, you've got 
the unnamed hero, which turns out to be Link, because every generation's got a green hero. Mm-hmm. You've got um, the other one. Oh, God, what's her name? Not Link. The one that goes, ta-da! No, you, you've got characters who are in the game. Hang on, I'll get... Impa, that's it. You've got Impa from the Sheik Village. She's there trying to protect the princess. Princess disappears. Then a sorceress appears and splits a timeline into three. Okay. Each timeline is a different game. So you get Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is the top timeline. You get Legend of Zelda and Twilight Princess, which is the middle one. And Legend of Zelda uh, Skyward Sword, which is the bottom one. And each timeline has extra characters which you can unlock. Mm-hmm. So you get head of the Dongos, you get Princess Ruto, you get basically anyone that's in yeah anyone that's in those games yeah. that includes Fee the Sword. You get um, Midna, both Twilight version and Curse version. One of the DLCs is one of the characters he introduced called Linkle, which is a, a lass who uses crossbows, who's convinced, absolutely convinced, she's the hero of time because her grandmother left her a compass. Yes, that turns out points her away from danger. She thinks it's to go save someone. Yes. And she's got a, a green hood on, she's got a crossbows, and if you've got... One of the things is you've got a special gorge, and it's other than, like, Muso. And if you push and hold it, she's got a hood up to begin with. She grabs a crossbow, thrusts it in the air, and goes... <laughs> and the hood flies down, so you can... With or without the hood. And once you win a battle with her, she's looking at a map, and then she looks at a compass, and she goes... ah. And points towards a direction, and whichever direction she goes, and she walks by a signpost that says Hyrule the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> so she's convinced she's the hero of time. She's and, like a comic relief character. Yeah, okay. but the the I think they're gonna try and bring her into main canon. But it's it's um it's one of the things that I introduced for the Switch version of the game. I don't think it was in the Wii U version of the game because it was a Wii U version originally. Okay. It's got. Story, that's the story mode. The adventure mode is the maps of all the different games, but when you see the map, your character and the actual map is represented from like the original Zelda game on the NES. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So each square has got the actual map from the game, that square, and you unlock certain things by certain items that you will get in the game back then. Yeah, There's so different challenges. So just to sort of cover that a little bit, mm. so the main map of that mode is mm. the overworld map, map for mm. the original Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And each of the blocks on that map is the in-game screen for that section. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I get it, yeah. And yeah. then you and sort of run around and then you select that, that area and you play a, a, a fight. And you unlock stuff and the, hard, the the further you go into certain sections of the, the map, you either unlock it. Because you can unlock extra characters doing that. Mm-hmm. So you can play as you can play as some of the bad guys. Okay. You can, um, through the main story mode, you actually unlock Ganondorf. So you play as him. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play as some of the bad guys from the different games. You can play as some of the bad guys from like the DS titles. You can play as some of the characters from the DS titles. So there's, I think there's like 33 characters in total. A lot to do there. I mean, I've been playing it for God knows how long and I still haven't unlocked everything. Mm-hmm. Me and Ike, we take ages just trying to, just, just trying to unlock weapons for people. So I can go on their squares and do stuff. Because low-level weapons and high-level characters don't mix. You've got to bump up your items. But the classic items that you get, like the bow, the bomb, the boomerang, what turns out to be light arrows, you can actually have fairies that re-jig your health. There's fairy fountains to go pray at. Mm-hmm. The great fairy is an actual unlockable weapon for Link. You play as a great fairy and it's holding a small jar. It's got Link inside trying to bang on it, trying to get out. Okay. One of his weapons is you're on the back of your opponent and you're attacking on the back of your opponent. There's all sorts of different stuff, and it's there's an absolute butt ton to unlock, and it's a lot of fun. 
you've got to kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit. So you're saying it's loads of fun. Loads of fun if you like the other styles of Warriors games. So if, if you if like Dynasty Warriors, Samurai Warriors, Warriors Archie, yeah. those kinds of... It's For the most part, it's a Warriors game and it's got the, the universe of Legend of Zelda in it. Yeah. I learned so much by playing that game because I couldn't get too far in the original Legend of Zelda games. So that game sort of filled in the blanks. Right, yeah. But it is a lot of fun and it's, it's, got, it's very hectic. You've got to flip between characters. You learn combos very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn just the mechanics of the game as you play through and it gets to a point where when me and Ike were playing it we were pausing it and I was saying right you go to there that's going to happen there I'm going to go over here and it wasn't a case of every other dynasty game where we divide and conquer mm-hmm. that usually works this one you have to be we've got to go there and stop them before that happens And right, yeah. okay, so, so it's it's very sort of pause heavy and you can command the other characters that you don't control to do stuff as well so just to sort of fill in that gap then for people who haven't played the warriors origin games hack and um, slash it is literally you, you the the main sort of draw of the games the main game mode is once you pick a level to play or you pick through the area of the map to play you you essentially on a massive battlefield and there are um, unlimited numbers of enemies that you have to hack and slash your way through um, that sort of respawn um, and you can stop them by taking mm. out certain points of the map yeah. which stops those enemies from spawning. And, and all the enemies are like iconic enemies from the Legend of Zelda series and you have to defeat them in similar ways you would in the game. Yep. So certain enemies might be weaker to bombs so at certain points you've got to throw a bomb at them to, sure, to, sure. For, for, so to there's to a lot of like first. thinking in it as well as yeah, the but, immediate hack and slash. Well, once you get used to it, it's just... I mean, you've seen me play it. Yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's just you watch it and you think, how can you keep up with that? But you're just used to it at that point. Okay. So um, so that's yeah. definitely one to go. I've, so before you go into any of those, are any of the others Warriors games listed? No. Okay, well, no. okay. Well, because I'm going to I'm gonna maybe look into getting Warriors or Richie 4 as well, uh, because I love the Warriors or Richie series. 4 seems like a bit of a departure because they're bringing Greek gods into it and there's magic. But then there's also that... Um, killer like metallic version of the intro music just is amazing right insect stoic mod meme here mm. yeah exactly right so mm. what's next on your list then? there's two more one of them is quite iconic if you don't get it i'll understand but it's quite iconic for the switch it's smash brothers okay it is there's there's a lot of unlockable characters i still unlocked all of them but smash brothers you've got like your story mode which you can set your difficulty on it's like a tapestry um mm. you set your difficulty there's a main overarching adventure mode where everyone gets just get captured and the only person that survives is Kirby because he's faster than light mm-hmm. So because it's a, it's a light beam that takes everyone you're faster than light and you start off as Kirby and you, you go through certain stages doing challenges and you beat people to unlock them so you can play them in the adventure mode and it sort of it, it leads you towards when you start it it goes all you've got is Kirby you're just going to have to try and survive for that what Nintendo doesn't realise is whenever I play any Smash game Kirby is my go-to <laughs> so giving me the one character that I can kick anyone's teeth in with isn't really a challenge <laughs> it is later on because there's all sorts of new mechanics in it for adventure mode but 
Yeah, it's a lot of fun, especially because I I got Smash Brothers with like the character pass, so I got the extra characters. So Banjo Kazooie, Joker from Persona. There's uh, the Dragon Quest hero, which their costumes is the different Dragon Quest games, so you can play as all of them. Recently, it's been announced Terry, can't remember his name from Final Fight, the one with the hat. Okay. I don't know who the last one's going to be. I haven't played yeah, so, it. So, just to date this thing, we're recording this after, we're recording this before the last one is announced. Although, when Joker was first introduced, he was really overpowered, and that's all anyone was ever playing as. Yes. And I can understand because he's top notch. That character, he just he can kick anyone of the offline off the screen. It's brilliant. Fair um, okay, so Super Smash Brothers, definitely worth a shot. I mean, I've got it if you want to try it. Yeah, I think, it I think if you've got these yeah. games listed, I might have to borrow your Switch for you know a couple hours today. Yeah. I, I haven't got all of these, but I've mentioned a few, like the, yeah, the no, Yoshi one. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, the last one I would suggest it's more of a Sega Classics because there's like Sega Classics on there where you can play. Games from back in the day. So is this one one app that has them all, or do you mean like get you buy, you buy the, get Sonic? It's the it's not like the the Mega Drive collection where you've got all of them on a shelf. You buy them separately. One I would suggest, um, which I'm about a quarter of the way through myself, is the original Fancy Star, mm-hmm. which is if you want a really difficult RPG, that's the one for you. It set, sets up the story of Alice, mm-hmm. who was in the first game and the fourth game. Mm-hmm. Story starts, her brother gets killed for whatever reason, and you've got to reap your revenge. But it's, you walk around, like, uh, your character's there, you walk around, there's an overmap. Whenever you go into a dungeon-type area, it's like first person, so you've got to remember where you've been. And the overmap, depending on where you walk, you'll either get no experience or get your butt kicked so bad. So you've got to... It's an old school to, RPG. Yeah. You've really got to think about it. Yeah, you've got to be really. It's happy. um, it's definitely worth it if you've got the time to grind because it's a grind heavy game. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to go through it as I go along, and that's not too expensive. But that's more of a long haul one, like Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. So there's them. I've got one honourable mention, but we have two extra. Do you want to do them first? I've got uh, Ren down here, but if, if you don't. Yeah, want to yeah. Them. So uh, from unaffiliated Jay Z, we've mm-hmm. got a recommended edition of Slay the Spire, mm-hmm. which is a game I haven't played. But it looks like it's right in his wheelhouse because it's a roguelike. Mm. I know from my past conversations with Jay-Z because he's an amazing person. Uh, we talk a lot about all sorts of stuff. Jay-Z, uh, I know, likes some uh, very heavy roguelike games. So he loves himself a roguelike game. And it looks a bit like that but with cards mixed in as well. Um, it's got card mechanics. Yeah. So uh, did you want to quickly look that up on the Switch and read the, the blurb? And we'll not particularly. Uh, I no. can if you want, but it's it's not the kind of game I'd play. I'm not very good at roguelikes. Well, let's read it and we'll see what it, what it, what it says. Right, just give me a second. Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, so I just looked up the description for Slay the Spy. It's a bit of a, a short description. So it's not going to be as long as the Yoshi's no. Wooly Wooly. So Slay the Spire. We fused card games with roguelikes together to make the best single-player deck builder we could. Craft a unique deck, encounter bizarre creatures, discover relics of immense power, and slay the Spire. Okay, so that doesn't tell me anything about the game other than it's roguelike with cards. Okay, so I'll have to look that one up and watch a couple of videos and maybe mm. like a Let's Play or something. But I'll definitely take a look into it. That's cool. Thanks for that, Jay-Z. And the other recommendation came from The Bee, who we've had on the show before a lot We've had the Jay-Z on that. This isn't out yet, though, is it? No, this one's not out yet. This is one that's coming out soon. Um, and he's recommended... Essentially, it's Persona 5, Koei Warriors. So, like how you were saying Legend of Zelda Hyrule Warriors, and like 
Fist of the North Star Warriors and like One Piece Warriors and like Gundam Warriors. It's going to be that sort of tie-in Koei Warriors game, which seems like it could be a lot of fun. I've read a little bit about it, so I'm looking forward to it anyway because I love the Persona games. So, so far in my um, research into the Switch and which games I should buy, I've been, I feel like I've been let down a little bit because there seems to be very few NFL or Persona-like RPGs on there. I really like the Atlas games, and they don't seem to be targeting the Switch. Maybe it's not powerful enough. Maybe it's maybe not, not target yet. market. Yeah, they current, currently aren't, don't seem to be targeting it. I do like the look of the Mutant League football game, <laughs> which looks like a load of fun. I'm going to be getting that, I think, because I like a bit of NFL, and I like a bit of cartoony over-the-top violence, and this looks like it's kind of a mixture of both meets the aesthetic of a Rocket League that sort of over-the-top stupid mm. idea for a an actual physical game. Mm. So I'm going to be looking into that. It looks like it fills the gap that was left by the Atari Jaguar... Brutal Sports Football. Brutal Sports Football, which was an amazing game. Like you said, Squish, you we were talking about it earlier offline, and you can literally, in that game, you can literally tear your enemy's head off and score a touchdown with mm. that head rather than the ball. So one of the things to look out for when you're playing against someone is that they don't tear one of your players' heads off and go and score a goal with it whilst you're trying to score a goal with the actual ball. Because if they do that, that's boom. All right, now there's the game starts again sort of thing. I mean, so, rules have been updated since then, but that was the good old days. Yeah, definitely. You can't yeah, do that now. There's, no, there's, uh, there's all sorts of things involved. But yeah, so one of the things on my sort of wish list for the Nintendo Switch, which I'm hoping that someone will start releasing, probably EA, but they probably don't want to target the Switch for whatever reason, would be an NFL game that I can actually just pick up and play. Because the NFL video games, you can make them really short so that the quarters last five minutes, three minutes. Mm. So it seems like it's a perfect market for it, but they've obviously not released any for very specific reasons. So mm. it's a bit of a shame, but I'll have to just put up with Tech Mobile for now, I guess. Shout out so to Brentle Floss. Yes, indeed. So we've, so we've mentioned those ones. So you said you had an honourable mention, Squid. Well, you've already mentioned the honourable mention, oh, so well. I'll just go over it again. No need to mention it, then. Well, okay, I'll see you later. Right, so the honourable mention I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on about is um, Warriors Archie 4. Yes. Because, my God, what a game that is. Yes. Just... Um, I mean, I haven't played it, but I've seen you play it, and I love the earlier, like the Dynasty Warriors, Samurai Warriors, Warriors Orochi, those three, that mm-hmm. three series of games. I think we could do an entire pod, just you and me talking about them, because they are so good. It is literally just, you start a level, and the level is, like I said, a massive battlefield, and there are small objectives you have to hit, and when you hit the objectives, it, it finishes the level. But like I said, there are unlimited respawning enemies around you. So it's that hack and slash and you just button bash and you just... Yeah, oh, it's so good. Do you remember when we used to race each other on the first Samurai Warriors? Yeah! You was the man Yukimura Sanada and I was Hanzo Tori. Yes. And the whole battlefield was... There was your forces and then two opposite forces. Mm-hmm. And it would be... You'd say, All right, I'm going to take out the red ones and I'd take out the yellow ones and we'd just split up. Yeah. And our half a... Screen each way we could see a call. Yes. And the drawing distance was like at your nose. Mm-hmm. And a level that was supposed to take five to ten minutes took us over an hour because we took out everyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you were running around on Saturday and I was a ninja with a chainsicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But yeah, it's I've I've played a lot of it. Unfortunately I haven't completed it yet. Yeah, but you say unfortunately, right? So let me just back that up with how much did the game cost you, the base game cost you? 
I didn't buy the base game though. Oh, really? Like, but how much is the co- right? How much is the base game? The base game is fifty pound, I think. Okay, and um, how long ago did you buy it? A year and a bit. I think. So let's do some really bad maths, right? Really <laughs> bad maths. Best kind of maths. There is no way you'll have played it every single day of the year and a half, right? Uh-uh. But let's call that 364 days, so let's call that 500 days. Let's pretend that you've played it every single day and that you've played it for two hours every day. That means the overall cost of that game to you has been, what, 20 pence a day? <laughs> so, yes, unfortunately, you've not completed it, but you've got that much value out of it, is yeah. what I'm saying. And that's what's great about these Warriors games. You can just pick up and play and continue to play for a very, very long time. Mm. They just... Oh, anyway, Squidge, yes, carry on. Yeah, it's, um, it definitely gets an honourable mention, and it's on the Switch. Mm. Definitely worth picking up. It's If you like any of the Warriors games, it's a step up. It hasn't got the, holy crap, here's all of the characters from Warriors Orochi 3, because there was a lot. Mm-hmm. Especially if you got the re-release on the, the other consoles, it was a lot of characters. They've sort of toned down a few of them, but they've added characters from Norse and Greek mythology in there. Mm-hmm. And you've got, like, um, magic and relics, and you can... Certain characters get turned into um, deities. Yes. So they can tap the power of a deity. So you can understand as a a lord of war. Yes. Because reasons. Of course. One of the characters that is very fiercely loyal over who she protects and her son, but is really sort of shy, she gets made into um, Aphrodite because reasons. Mm -hmm. So she gets real embarrassed, but uses the determination and all the rest of it. And it's just, it's a really good game, and you haven't got, like, the Dinshuri's 9 really bad English voice acting. Yes. It's all in Japanese, which gives it an air of, I won't say believability, but it's an air of sustained a level of... Authenticity. That's the one. Authenticity, despite the fact that all the characters from different continents, it's got more of a believable feel to it, despite Mm -hmm. the grandiose nature of the entire story. But it is a very good game. You don't need the collector's head, because it's mostly costumes, but it's nice if you do have the costumes, for some of the costumes, but it's completely up to you for that different aesthetic, the look of it. I got it with the Holy Everything edition, because... I just wanted to play it and I did. It's definitely a really good game. I would pick it up if you got the chance. If you're a fan of button bashing. If you're a fan of um, hack and slash like I am. As Chief said, a bashy game. A bashy game, yes. Smashy game. A a very smashy bashy game. Mm. Cool, okay. So that gives me a lot to look forward to. So I'll have to go through that list. To check a show notes. Yeah, I'll have to check the show notes as well. <laughs> so we'll have one person check the show notes. Hmm. Um, I will say that uh, on the day that we're recording this, we've literally just switched over to the new website design. Hmm. There's still some work to be done on it. Remember, I talked about Agile earlier and you ship broken bits. There's still some stuff to be done on it, but I'm really proud of it. And it now takes... Like, when I timed it last night, it took 289 milliseconds to load a page. Now, compare that to the what? old build of the website which took up to and sometimes more than one and a half seconds mm. to load a page. That's a huge improvement. And but I love the design of it. So if you could totally check out the website. So if you don't know the website, but you have been listening so far, it's wafflingtailors.rocks. There's a link in the show notes in your podcast player. Podcast player? In here, there is a link. Or oh, download that one. Yeah, yeah, there's a link. Is, is it one of those you collect all the podcasts? That's the one. Throw balls up, catch him. That's the one. Oh, <laughs> 
podcasts the video game could be like Pokemon. <laughs> Gotta hear them all. Podcasts. I've, I've just got this image of the unofficial GSE running round with his coding blocks and I'm chasing him down the street. Come here, you... And he's that, trying to run away. That may know. have to be the Waffling Tailors video game. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so if you get a chance, check out the website because I really dig it. As of right now, Last night, I turned on the comments, so you can totally go on and leave a comment if you... We've got Discuss on there, so you'll need either a Discuss account or a Twitter or a Facebook, and you can log in as any of those. Uh, so leave us a comment, let us know what you think. So definitely, we'll have to do another one of these, a catch-up, once I've got the Switch, mm. so that we know what game I bought with it. Um, and then maybe we can turn this into a thing that we discuss with Jay-Z and the B, where we talk God, about no, not the, B. the different... So we'll get him to shut up. <laughs> but yes, so maybe that's what we should do. So we'll come back to this discussion another time. But uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. I've got two things to mention. Oh, okay. So before we quit, I've done all the we're going to ditch out the podcast now bit. Mm. But here we go. It's like a squidge Two epilogue. things to mention. So first thing, I'm going back to writing blogs again. Yes. You may have noticed I put some up for the original Diablo. I didn't put up pictures with it. That will be changed in the next one I'm going to put up. I'm not going to tell you what okay. it is, but it's going to require a lot of pictures. So the next blog post is going to have some pictures in it. That's cool. So we've got a number of blog post topics. So for those who don't know, uh, there's a bit at the end of the episode where uh, I'm sort of starting, when we're, when we're editing them now, we are now, the Waffling Tellers is now owned by RJJ Software. So um, RJJ Software hires both me and Squidge and it uh, donates our time to make this podcast happen. So yeah, uh, one of Squidge's jobs that RJJ has, has assigned him is to come up with a number of blog posts on different topics. So he's going to be writing some more blog posts. So we're going to move back to the podcast and the blog posts, which we had for a little while. And we're going to do a number of them. I'm going to do some follow-up blog posts because there are a few that I sort of promised in uh, in earlier years. Mm. And I'm going to move back to doing those as well. And there's, there's one or two I've got to do as well. And I think, I yeah, I think it would be kind of cool to have more content on the website. So we're going to have, going forward, there's going to be more content on the website, more reasons to go to the website. And if anyone has read... My blog posts in particular, yes, I'm going back to exactly the same style. That style of sort of arguing with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go exactly straight back to that style. And the second one I was going to mention, although you briefly touched up on it, touched on it, is steady on, touched on it is um, I'm going to be your new editor for this podcast, which scares the living crap out of me. But it's hopefully I can learn to edit these to the same quality as your boy over there, Jay. It's a learning process. Hopefully I can do it. If not, then I don't know what I'm going to do. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, you'll be fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, there, there won't be a sharp drop-off in quality. There will be a sharp improvement in quality because <laughs> I'm pretty terrible at editing episodes <laughs> together. So, yeah, expect that, listeners, because I know it's going to happen. Squidge is brilliant at uh, stuff like that. He's so good at picking up stuff. But, yes, so... Those are some of the changes coming up um, mm. very soon. So, yes, thank you ever so much for listening to The Wolf and Tillers. I am really proud of this product, and I want to hear more about what you think of it. So head over to the website, leave us a comment, get in touch with us on Twitter. It's at Waffling Tailors. Our DMs are open, so if you want to send us some comments that you don't want the rest of the world to read, please feel free to do so. We've got a Facebook page. You go to the Facebook site, you hit forward slash 
you type in waffling tailors or you go to our website and there's a link on there or you go onto facebook and look for the, the little magnifying glass type waffling tailors in there and you will find us but the new website we've got twitter facebook all that kind of stuff leave us a comment let us know like and subscribe i hate that i've just quoted <laughs> chief there but maybe we should have a soundboard bit where i hit it and it's him going like and subscribe oh but, we need a soundboard yeah so we're gonna have all of that stuff happening definitely check out the website I'm running out of things to say, so I'm going to I'm going to sign off and say this has been a wonderful recording of the episode, and I cannot wait to buy presumably all of these games and <laughs> run out of money and not be able to play any of them because I've got no money. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so thanks for giving us a listen, and thanks Squidge for recommending some games. Thank you to B, thank you to Jay Z, thank you to Nintendo Dispatch, thank you to everyone who's helped out with the show so far, and thank you ever so much for being on the show, Squidgey. Mm. Where else am I going to be? I don't know. <laughs> well, there you go. See you later, everyone. See you later, Squidgy. See you later, Squidgy. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You, Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectral Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleansing music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Decay. See the show notes for more details.